Welcome to the Learning Exchange, where L&D and HR professionals can dig deep into the ever-changing landscape of online learning and talent development. Each episode, we'll explore innovations in learning and discuss best practices with special guests from inside and outside the learning world. L&D is evolving, and the Learning Exchange is here to help you keep pace. Welcome to another episode of the Learning Exchange. On this week's episode... I'm taking it back to basics and talking about virtual training. Now, a lot of the things I'm going to talk about here will apply to virtual meetings as well, but uh, focusing in on virtual training. I had the the luxury over the last few weeks of delivering a series of virtual training sessions internally here at Scoops, and uh, it it started to make me think through uh, what others are doing. And now I have also the opportunity to talk with a lot of customers who are utilizing our solution, uh, but also talking with friends and colleagues throughout a variety of industries that focus on learning and development to see what they're doing. And what I found is that um, we, we have a healthy mixture of dynamics at play, but I think we could all benefit from best practices, from just sharing tips and ideas. So when I think about virtual training, one of the things that was really interesting with, uh, with this series of workshops we developed and delivered recently is that we took a voluntary approach to uh, registration, to interaction. We used some of our internal channels, uh, Slack, maybe an email distribution just to say, hey, everybody, uh, we're, we're going to do something here and uh, it's not required, but wanted you to know that it was available and then we sat back and watched what the experience was like. Uh, now, as, as somebody that's taken the mandate approach, as somebody that's also taken the optional approach, and I've even taken some hybrid approaches, um, I always see a, a similar response. And uh, I was not disappointed whatsoever uh, in our response. So um, out of the gate, when you remove the mandate from a virtual experience or from any learning experience. I I know sometimes we just have to mandate it, but where we can lift the mandate, we get to understand more about what gets people excited. Uh, What's gonna drive them to sign up? Uh, What about the topic area? How do we market it internally? How do we frame it up? Uh, what, What message seems to resonate and really connect for people? Also, I've noticed that when you have a voluntary experience as opposed to a mandated learning experience, the engagement factor tends to go up. You know, I think you're just like in a classroom, you're going to have people who are very interested in, in attending to get the content, but when they show up, you're going to have people that are showing up really eager to participate, to give everything they have to the training experience. You have people that are going to show up with no intention of ever engaging. They're still interested in the content. They just don't like to interact or engage with with team or group experiences. And then you got those who really want to participate. They show up and there's there's some excitement, but they may require a little bit of warm-up to really uh, settle into the dynamic of the group. You know, it's also really important to have a very dynamic experience in virtual uh, to be able to ensure that you are engaging the full spectrum of your employees especially when you don't have the benefit of having full access to body language and other real-time cues that you might have when you are in person. Now, before I get to some of the uh, tips here, 
Another note is, you know, 2020, definitely we saw virtual being sparked to accelerate tremendously. Virtual became the only way we could do things for a majority of the year. And now that we are starting to see return to office, uh, return to work environments more consistently, organizations are finding that they have to find a balance. How, how do I not burn my learning team out by having them deliver 17 17 sessions of this one workshop um, to get everything done in virtual and in person, but maybe we can get creative and blend. And I think we're going to see this become a trend in 2021 and beyond where we try to try to create interactive, integrated blending, blended uh, classroom experiences where I am presenting to a live room with people who are physically in front of me and At the same time, I'm also beaming to a virtual audience who, for whatever reason, is not available to be in person. And so how can I consider both audiences and make that work? Well, a lot of the tips I'm going to share will help you manage both at the same time. Now, the first thing is that oftentimes we underestimate the amount of production that can go into a virtual training or even a virtual meeting. And when I'm talking about production, I'm talking about managing the chat and the Q&A and all the other features and functionality that exist within that virtual tool. I'm talking about being able to manage the support side of it. So questions if people are having audio issues or video issues. Um, there's a number of elements that, that go into a virtual experience that you don't always have in person. And so sometimes it's great to always bake into your plan a producer, uh, an extra set of hands who's going to show up and just focus on managing the chat or just managing, making sure that everybody can hear and see what they need to hear and see. Um, Next, I think you should always consider a wide variety of ways to interact and really think about what the technology affords you from an accessibility standpoint. Uh, There's a lot of options that our virtual tools give us for making things more interactive, um, whether it's using the chat or maybe polling or Q&A or reactions. And I'll talk about those in a minute. But it's looking for ways to leverage the technology to really help make a group feel connected, even if they're physically separated by space. Um, They're not in the same room. They're not in the same city. They're not in the same state. Some of our global organizations, they're not even in the same country. So how can you make that experience really feel meaningful and connected? And you have to also keep in mind that not everybody likes to talk. Um, I I know I love to talk and I'm always that eager student that shows up to training class, uh, ready to engage, ready to interact when called upon, ready to uh, help spark ideas and And, uh, right. You need a volunteer in your training class. If I'm in it, guess what? My hands raised, but not everybody's like that. And we have to be mindful of that so that the experience we create doesn't apply pressure, doesn't apply unnecessary angst or anxiety for someone feeling like they're going to be put on the spot if it's really something that they're not comfortable with. So I mentioned all of the uh, the tools that we may have accessible to us. Are you familiar with, with the tools that are in your environment? If you use Zoom as an example, are you familiar with how the chat feature works, how the Q&A feature works if you're using the webinar version versus the meeting version? 
What about things like uh, the reactions or breakout rooms? Well, I think um, you know, chat and Q&A as a, a mechanism inside a virtual environment is really great to always try and build purposeful interactions with those elements. These are really great for those who don't like speaking in front of a group. Uh, really great for those who are not able or willing to participate by having their camera on. It allows them to have a way to get their voice heard. However, you should also consider that sometimes you're not going to have the same level of engagement there because my name is associated. If, if we're using a chat and I'm chatting to all attendees, it's going to let you know that Matthew Brown just said this to all attendees. And that can in some ways be just as intimidating for, for people who don't like to speak up in a group, not using their, their audible voice, but their written voice is still connected to their identity. And there can be a, a, an aversion to doing that. You know, one way to get around that is if you guide people to chat back to you, if there's an option in the tool, make sure they understand how to chat back just to the facilitator, just to the instructor or the panelists. Um, so that way things are a little more private. You'll definitely see some increase in engagement. Uh, we think about polling. A lot of the virtual meeting platforms and virtual classroom platforms have polling features. This is also a very great way to get some engagement. Uh, now, for anybody that's a little more concerned with, with their name being associated, polling does give us this anonymous factor. But it can be limiting in format. A lot of times the polling features allow you to really just give a multiple choice um, question and response. Um, this is still better than no feedback. It gives people a chance to interact and kind of see how their response lines up to the group um, in a more safe way. But uh, again, can be a little bit limiting. There's also a way to leverage uh, in Zoom in particular, some of the others have uh, same features called different things, but reactions. Uh, reactions give your learners a way to raise their hand, a way to give you a thumbs up or a yes or no response. Um, this is a little bit more public because it will identify the reaction specific to their name. Um, so again, thinking about uh, those who might be a little more shy or introverted, uh, this can be... Uh, uh, mixed results. Breakout rooms. Breakout rooms are a fantastic way to mix things up, to change the pace and the overall just kind of speed of the session. It, it just, essentially, it's the, uh, the equivalent of being in a room and standing up. And if we've ever had uh, a facilitator in an in-person experience that's done this, where you stand up and just move around, um, right. It's just kind of changing it up a little bit. Breakout rooms are going to help you with that. Um, additionally, breakout rooms give you a smaller subgroup that you can create. So think about an in-person experience with table teams. Um, we go into table discussions and really kind of tackle with four to six people in a smaller group out of the, the larger 50 plus group. Um, you can do that in technology. And a lot of times when you get into those smaller groups, some of those who are a little more hesitant to interact in the bigger group will definitely connect and interact in the smaller group. Uh, it feels a lot more safe. They may even come onto their camera uh, in that smaller group, even if they're not comfortable doing it in the bigger group. Now, 
There are other things you can do that go outside of the kind of native functionality within the tools. Uh, one of my personal favorites is to use a multi-purpose polling tool like a Poll Everywhere, where um, it really allows you to have this great blend. I can create very interactive experiences that can be identified by person if I choose. I can also create a lot of interactive experiences that are completely anonymous. Um, in our recent workshops that we delivered, we, um, we used a variety of the, the features found within Poll Everywhere. The word cloud always creates a really um, fun experience because as the word gets bigger, if the word I wrote or the phrase I wrote um, in uh, to the poll response is shared by other people, uh, it gets bigger. And there's kind of this like puffing up that happens, right? I get a little more proud that um, there's other people in here that think like me that uh, that maybe understand my perspective. So that can also open up for more engagement. Um, in addition, you can use things like interactive images. Uh, there's a wide variety of features, but really uh, what I'm trying to illustrate is that leverage these kinds of tools with not just an intent of, I want to get them to answer a question, but an intent of, I want to be able to create an experience where every learner can interact. And if we're trying to do something that's blended, uh, these tools also work. It just means you need to have them um, your learners actually log into the virtual environment so they can react as well. Uh, so this is where something like a, a poll everywhere could be very, very advantageous. Uh, they can leverage their mobile devices. Um, so your in-person audience can use their mobile devices to interact while your virtual audience can use a web browser to interact and they're all getting the shared experience. Now, a few other tips, um, less about the functionality of the tool set and more just uh, a reminder of some of the basics. It can be easy for us to lose sight of these things in the hustle and bustle, but uh, icebreakers. Uh, I cannot, I can't emphasize enough the importance of an icebreaker. Um, it does a few things, you know. I mean, it gives people a chance to ease into the conversation, maybe even having a good laugh. I know that uh, the icebreakers that we chose for our sessions um, over the last couple of weeks were pretty fun. Uh, I found that we had a lot of laughter, a lot of interaction, and um, just right, like pick things that maybe were a little off the wall, uh, but it created this experience where everybody got comfortable. We got loosened up. And then it helped us also identify some of the personas in the audience, um, right? We could get a sense of the personalities based on just the types of questions that you ask for the icebreaker. Um, if you're curious, our particular icebreaker was to, uh, uh, combine uh, the color of a piece of clothing with uh, the last piece of uh, food that you ate to create your band name. And, and uh, we saw some really, really great strokes of creativity and helped us understand um, just some more of the dynamics in the room. And additionally, you can use the icebreaker activities to help you identify the personas in the audience. So knowing who are those that are really, really active and engaged um, out of the gate, when you can understand who's going to be the most vocal, who's going to be the most eager to contribute, who's definitely not uh, shy, uh, this can work to your strength. Uh, you can leverage this as a strength as you go through the session because you can use these particular participants uh, to help spark discussions. You know that you can always call on them. Um, there's effectively a 
permission given to call on them um, to interact, which can take some of the burden and the pressure off of the others. You'll also be able to notice occasionally you might run into somebody that's very eager, but they're so eager that in absence of others who are contributing, they can dominate the conversation. This is something you have to keep a watch over and keep a balance so that it creates a, a place where people feel like everybody is encouraged to engage. Um, you can also notice in some of the early kind of icebreaker activities, who's off camera, who's maybe only interacting in writing, who might be a little more shy. And so that gives you a good sense of kind of where and how to set the rules. In addition, I think, you know, I know when I'm delivering a webinar, oftentimes because it's a one-way communication, we don't have the option to open up uh, the, the audio response. It is very meaningful when I can spot someone's name in the chat and I can say, oh, oh yes, Matthew, I just saw that. That was a really great comment or way to, way to go, Susie. Um, that was great to contribute. And then I could write, like you can start to acknowledge people by name and it feels very personal, but I think you have to balance that. Uh, because if I am a shy person and I see that you just acknowledge someone by name out of the gate, if I don't have a way to ascertain if that's just your approach and you're going to call on everybody who interacts, uh, then I may not interact just because I don't want to be called on. Right. It's, it's, it's a, Big giant balancing act. And I think that the last two things that I could impart is uh, always try to keep your experiences fun, functional, and applicable. Um, so the total session you're delivering should, should have elements of fun. Uh, people should have a positive experience. They should have some reason to feel good, uh, kind of creating good, a good memory to leave the session with. And keeping it functional, uh, meaning that we're making it easy for them to interact, uh, making it easy for everyone to find a way to interact. And we're keeping it applicable in that we are always trying to connect the dots back to uh, what's coming next or back to some on-the-job application that we need them to tackle right away. And the last piece is never, ever, ever forget to survey. Um, this is something that can be really easy to lose in, in the midst of doing all the other pieces. Um, but doing a survey to understand the feedback from the experience of your learners is the only way that you're going to know how to improve. I recommend uh, when you do deliver a survey that it really be just a short um, three to four to five question survey. We want it to be fast and easy for them to get through. But at the same time, we want to make sure that they have a way to articulate. Did they have a good experience? Did it work for how they like to engage and interact? Was the content applicable? And then perhaps a place for some open comments just in case there's extra feedback.